0: During the presidential election of 2018, Jair Bolsonaro promised to change Brazil's diplomatic strategy. He said the country's foreign relations would no longer be based on politics or, quote, ideology, but rather on Brazil's pragmatic interests. Durante as últimas décadas, nos deixamos seduzir sem perceber por sistemas ideológicos de pensamento que não buscavam a verdade. One could argue that Bolsonaro has indeed reshaped Brazilian diplomacy in many ways, but pragmatism doesn't come into it. As a matter of fact, the Brazilian president has managed to start fights with China, Brazil's biggest trading partner, Argentina, the country's most important South American neighbor, Venezuela or France. At one point, members of his administration even publicly ridiculed the physical appearance of the French First Lady Brigitte Macron. Now, as multiple left-leaning leaders win elections around Latin America, Bolsonaro is refusing to show up to their inauguration ceremonies, a move that could undermine Brazil's position as a regional power. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of The Brazilian Report, This is Explaining Brazil. Left-wing Chilean President Gabriel Boric will take office in March. But while Chile is a strategic partner for Brazil and South America, President Jair Bolsonaro has already said he will not be attending Boric's inauguration. He also won't be there when left-wing Xomara Castro takes office in Honduras. Before these two, he has nubbed leaders in seven other countries, including Argentina, Bolivia or Peru. Since taking office at the start of 2019, Bolsonaro has only turned up to two inauguration ceremonies, those of Ecuador's Guillermo Lasso and Uruguay's Luiz Lacage Pou both right-leaning leaders. Guilherme Casarões is a professor at Think Tank Fundação Getúlio Vargas, and he's also the co-founder of the Observatory of the Extreme Right. Guilherme, welcome back to the show. How has Bolsonaro conducted his regional diplomacy? Well, I'd say that there are two elements,
1: two very important elements to Bolsonaro's regional uh, policy. The first one is negligence. Ever since the the Michel Temer administration back in 2016, Brazil has been pulling out of many regional initiatives, some of which uh, Brazil was the the paymaster or used to be the main sponsor, such as Unasur or even Mercosur, whose importance to Brazilian foreign policy has changed dramatically in the last five years. Um, so Bolsonaro has deepened this uh, negligent approach to to the region. I remember back in back when Bolsonaro won the elections in October twenty eighteen, Paulo Guedes, his, his economy minister, gave an interview saying that Mercosur wouldn't be a priority to Brazil at all. So I, I think that that tells a little bit about what Bolsonaro has been doing uh, when it comes to the region. I mean. He doesn't want to uh, talk to neighbors. He he doesn't want to pay the price to afford integration costs. And that has been a a very important element of Brazil's foreign policy in the last, I'd say, 30 years. So Bolsonaro has changed this approach quite a bit. And the, the second element of Bolsonaro's policy towards the region is ideology. Uh, it's curious because one of the greatest criticisms of uh, Lula and the Workers Party's foreign policy towards the region uh, was that it was too much to the left, right? So uh, Lula would be friends with uh, left-wing presidents such as Hugo Chavez of Venezuela or Evo Morales of Bolivia, but that that was not the case. In fact, I mean, if if we look at personal or ideological affinities, it's it's understandable why Lula has become closer to uh, presidents like Kirchner or Chavez. But on on the other hand, Brazil has, irrespective of the government in power, adopted a very all-encompassing and a very pragmatic policy towards the neighbors. It doesn't matter who was in charge in any country in the region. And, and this, under Bolsonaro, is very different because... He tends to favor very openly and very insistingly the presidents who have some sort of ideological alignment with Brazil uh, right now. So that was the case of Macri in Argentina. That was the case of Piñera in Chile, probably Colombia as well. So those would be the three countries with whom Bolsonaro has maintained a closer relationship for the time of those presidents in office. But ever since the, the, there have been elections and the whole landscape has changed, uh, the left is back in many South American countries. bolsonaro has turned a blind eye to those countries and sometimes has even adopted a hostile position towards some of the, the presidents, such as the case of Fernandez in Argentina. So ideology is the second element, and very important one because Brazil has always been so pragmatic and so caring towards the neighbors, especially in the last 30 years. And all of a sudden, this policy has completely
0: changed. Now, Brazil changed foreign ministers in April 2021. And Carlos França, the new head of Brazilian diplomacy, has tried to bring back a more professional tone to foreign relations. But at the same time that his office extends olive branches to several countries, we have the president committing foreign policy blunders, I mean, how to conciliate this too? Well,
1: this is also a novelty uh, when it comes to Brazil's foreign policy, because historically, the presidency didn't really get involved in many foreign policy initiatives. So most of what Brazil was doing in the world and in the region was done through the hands of the foreign ministry. So the president would be more of a ceremonial figure, uh, figurehead sometimes, so in specific summits or in specific bilateral meetings. But there was a historical alignment between uh, the, the head of the executive branch and the diplomatic, the, the foreign policy establishment of the country. This has changed considerably as well. And once again, I think that we might uh, bring it back to the Temer administration because things were changing back then when uh, he appointed the the first foreign minister of his tenure, Serra, who was a very partisan and and he he was uh, looking for looking uh, forward to uh, running for president in 2018. So things started to change back then, but never before have we seen such a disruptive behavior of a president when it comes to foreign policy, especially because most of what Bolsonaro does uh, takes place on social media, takes place on Twitter. So it's there for everyone to see, it's there for everyone to echo and to uh, judge. So I think that this is a very New element of Brazil's foreign policy with um, dramatic consequences. So Bolsonaro is making his own foreign policy strategy on social media. The foreign ministry has little to no control over what Bolsonaro uh, says. So this is a very important thing because there's no no way to filter or to mediate through a, a, a diplomatic jargon or through diplomatic channels. Whatever Bolsonaro has been doing, and at the same time, Carlos França, the new foreign minister, has kept a very low profile when it comes to uh, foreign policy making. So the impression that I have is that he's been trying to, as you said, to bring the ship back to the route to so bring diplomacy, Brazil's diplomacy, back to normal. But at the same time, he always hits a presidential barrier, right? So he's trying to move diplomacy back to where it belongs, let's put it this way. So a more pragmatic, a more pacifist, diplomatic approach to foreign policy in general. But at the same time, he has to control the damage or the likely damage caused by the the president uh, here and there. So it's a, a daunting task, really. I, I don't think that uh, uh, Carlos França is an ideologue of any kind, unlike Ernesto Araújo, the former foreign minister who was uh, super aligned with the president, but for, for different reasons, because both were committed to destroying Brazil's diplomatic traditions. This is not the case under França, but at the same time. I think that he, his uh, reach is pretty limited because we have a president who is uh, very centralizing, very authoritarian uh, in terms of his uh, way of making, doing politics and making policy. And um, damage control is the best uh, our foreign ministry can do right now.
0: Now, uh, a different example. We have in Mexico Andrés Manuel López Obrador AMLO, who is a left-wing populist. But he was cozying up to Donald Trump uh, earlier in his term, not necessarily due to ideological affinity, but rather pure pragmatism. I mean, Mexico cannot afford to be on the U.S.'s bad side. So there are a few issues in the region which Brazil needs cooperation with neighbors, namely border issues for tackling organized crime or drug trafficking. So what could be the lasting effects of burning bridges with all of our neighbors? First of all, I think that
1: one of the main characteristics of this administration is that they are absolutely clueless when it comes to policymaking. So they do not really understand the meaning of public policy. So... I wouldn't expect much in terms of uh, border cooperation, border control, and all kinds of bilateral relations that might come up, uh, especially when we're speaking of a country like Brazil that has thousands and thousands of kilometers of borders with like nine different neighbors. So I think that the government is pretty much clueless when it comes to that. And neighbors know that. So I think that at this point in time, on the eve of presidential elections in Brazil, Pretty much every single neighbor understands that it's only a matter of time before Bolsonaro leaves office. And I think they're all adopting the posture that has been very common to Brazil's foreign policy towards the neighbors. But now I think it's the the other way around, which we call strategic patience. Right. That term uh, was coined back in the 1980s Um uh, related to Brazil Argentina relations, Argentina was going through a deep crisis in the in uh, at the turn of the uh, 1990s. So Brazil had to adopt a strategic patience when it come, when it came to Mercosur uh, to make sure that Argentina would get back on track before Brazil could try to uh, build. Uh, Mercosur fut- further with Argentinian cooperation. And I think that most neighbors today, they understand that they have to be strategically patient uh, towards Brazil because it's a, uh, well, what we're going through in the country right now is a historical exception. I mean, uh, it's a historical exception when it comes to ideology, when it comes to uh, uh, party politics, and of course, when it comes to foreign policy. So I, I think that uh, they are all looking forward to 2023 because most leaders they by now uh, understand that the likelihood of Bolsonaro getting reelected uh, is pretty low unless something very dramatic takes place in the last few in in the in the upcoming months. Uh, I think that the most likely scenario is that we uh, will have Lula. Uh, or or Lula Moro in the second round of election I, I don't I really don't think that bolsonaro um, stands a chance to get reelected at least um, keeping things as they are now so uh, foreign leaders understand that and, and they are waiting for the next president to restart relations with Brazil uh, on the right foot
0: right Guilherme, but some issues are pretty urgent and but as it is by definition pivotal to any major initiative advancing in the region right? Which areas would be harmed the most by this sort of movement in Latin America of countries sort of hitting the diplomatic pause button? Well, I think that that there are at least three levels that we can analyze
1: in order to make sense of uh, uh, the consequences or the likely consequences of this diplomatic pause or diplomatic. Hangover, <laughs> which we're going through. Uh, the, the, the first one is regional. And and of course, uh, I used this expression before Brazil is the, the quintessential paymaster of regional integration in South America. So if Brazil pulls out of regional initiatives, it's very likely that this initiative will die out very soon. So uh, that was the case of Unisor. Um, Unisor doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, it might formally exist. But in practice, since it has been hollowed out by many uh, South American governments, I I don't think uh, we can just recreate it um, uh, out of the blue. So. Mercosur should be the, the most important initiative that Brazil has to uh, has to rescue starting off in 2023. So uh, Mercosur will be the main project uh, through which Brazil will reaffirm its regional le- leadership. And I think it's important for any president in 2023 to pay close attention to how Mercosur will evolve, how Brazil and Argentina have to come to terms uh, to get along back again to make sure that this initiative will work. And and of course, uh, given the whole South American context right now, especially with left-leaning presidents in in Chile and some other countries in South America, I think it's important to consider the possibility of enlarging Mercosur to construct a stronger economic base in South America. So this is one thing. But there are two other levels that we also have to look at. The first the, the, the second level is the bilateral relations of Brazil. And I personally think that it's easier to fix relations if they if they take place on a bilateral level because it's just a matter of uh, reconstruction, reconstructing mutual understanding uh, between countries. And I think that Brazil has a natural uh, gravitas that makes it easier for the country to reestablish relations with uh, other partners and uh, with countries that we have just... Uh, Turn our backs to or abandoned uh, somehow. So that shouldn't be a problem, and especially if there's ideological alignment or convergence, uh, it will probably make things easier in the in the middle run. And finally, there's uh, the multilateral level, and 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 that's uh, to me the most problematic of all of those because Brazil has always adopted a very engaged, uh, participative uh, posture towards. Uh, multilateral institutions such as the United Nations, the World Health Organization, the World Trade Organization, and so on and so forth. And one of the the, the problems, one of the downturns of the Bolsonaro uh, administration's foreign policy is that he basically pulled Brazil out of each and every initiative where Brazil used to be a leader. And I'm speaking of three uh, uh, issue areas that Brazil used to lead uh, multilaterally, uh, human rights, the environment, and global health issues. And I think that the greatest challenge for the next president of Brazil is to restore the Brazilian leadership in those three areas. And especially at a time of pandemic and climate change, a lot of human rights violations going around, I think it's fundamental For the next Brazilian president to make sure that Brazil will again lead in those issues.
0: Now, circling back to Bolsonaro, he was the protagonist of a pretty pathetic scene during the G20 summit in Rome last year. Uh, Bolsonaro was left alone by other leaders and only talked to the waiters, uh, visibly uncomfortable. I was very sad when Brazil defeated, you know, the Italian soccer team, you know, 4-1 in the World Cup. He even skipped the traditional leader's photo in front of the Trevi Fountain. But, I mean, it wouldn't be fair, I think, to say that Bolsonaro's extreme brand of politics is exactly what makes him a diplomatic outcast. Because We have Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia, for instance, who has a far worse track record and still shakes hands with world leaders, even if they are reluctant to treat him as a worthy counterpart. So what makes Bolsonaro such a pariah as compared to other people with far worse politics?
1: Well, first of all, I don't think Bolsonaro believes in diplomacy whatsoever. So that's the first thing. If we look at uh, populists left or right, the likes of López Obrador or Erdoğan or Turkey, you see that they they adopt a very populist posture towards their own people, the government institutions and so on and so forth. They might even be authoritarian here and there, but they do not transpose this kind of populist trait to diplomacy. So they maintain a very pragmatic, a very down-to-earth, posture towards diplomacy. So I think that's the main difference. Bolsonaro, he doesn't believe in diplomacy. At the same time, he governs through populism all the way down. Because populism, uh, well, no politician is a populist all the time. So populism is more of a style, is more of a strategy that politicians might use or play out in specific situations, especially in the electoral context. But it's very unlikely to find politicians who govern through populism as bolsonaro has done in the last for the last three years so this is very new because not only does he disregard institutions but he also needs to stir and to mobilize his own base on a permanent basis so that he can, Make things happen. So, because he doesn't believe in diplomacy and because he's such a deep down populist, governing through populism all the time, he tends to look at the world as a us versus them uh, relationship, permanent relationship. I think that hostility towards the enemies, the global uh, leaders abroad that sometimes he calls enemies, is just an extension of the way he uh, does politics domestically so he sees no difference he's th- there is no line separating internal and external enemies internal and external uh, adversaries so i think that populism has contaminated diplomacy in such a way that he has become uh, a very toxic person to establish a relation uh, relationship with and that's pretty much what the rest of the world has uh, understood and not only is Bolsonaro a very toxic figure? But the way he's been treating some of the key issues of global multilateralism, such as uh, the environment or or uh, the pandemic, have also turned him into a pariah. So I think that no one wants to have close relations with somebody who doesn't really believe in in the pandemic or somebody who doesn't really believe that the world is getting hotter and hotter. So I think that that's also something that makes Bolsonaro
0: a very difficult figure to make relations with. Guilherme, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Guilherme Casarões is a professor at Think Tank Fundação Getúlio Vargas and also the co-founder of the Observatory of the Extreme Right, If you like Explaining Brazil, please drop us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes only a second, and it really helps more people finding out about this show. Or, even better, you can sign up to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the site for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro,